Open your Bibles to Genesis 16. There's no doubt I will not finish this chapter tonight. Uh, Matt, if it's possible, work on me a little bit of monitor here, please. Um, I know uh, we're working hard, and Matt, I, I appreciate him so much. He gets here on Wednesday night on two wheels. Uh, state troopers follow him, and so he hides among the cars and then runs in the church. And uh, he helps us uh, do so many things. I appreciate that. And he helps, he's trying to help me get this mic uh, uh, set, and uh, we want something comfortable, but also something effective for you uh, and our choir and everyone else to be able to, to hear. Genesis 16, I'm probably going to say some things tonight that you may have never heard a preacher say. I may talk about uh, some subjects tonight that, and I will do it in a very respectful way. It will not be anything vulgar, anything that you'll have to hide from uh, the ears of a young adult, but I doubt that it's been talked about much. I talked some about it last week, but I had studied it so much in, uh, um, in my beginning efforts of starting a book over the last 25 years dealing with people who have had affairs, dealing with people who have had adulterous lifestyles, dealing with young folks who've been had lives of fornication and seeing the hurt, seeing the brokenness, seeing the pain, seeing the tears in mama's and daddy's eyes, brothers and sisters' eyes, husband and wives' eyes, that I thought I'd write a book. So I probably won't get that book written until I get to heaven and I'll see if God will let it come back down here. He probably won't. But I did a whole lot of research and learned a whole lot. Some was began uh, in this particular area here. How many of you have ever heard of Al-Qaeda, right? Osama bin Laden, ISIS. You've heard of those people like that? You've heard of uh, Hussein. You've heard of the Iranians. You've heard of the Iraqis. Uh, you've heard of the Syrians. You've heard of the Saudi Arabians. You've heard of the Yemenis, and you've heard of all of those kinds of people, and there seems to always be something going on between those kind of people and the rest of the world. There's a reason for it, and I'm going to show you why if I get there tonight, but I want you to see, keep this in your mind. Here's my point. One sin, one sin. Listen, one sexual sin. I said sexual sin. One sexual sin can hurt many people for a long, long time. Don't you ever forget it. This will help us tonight in Genesis chapter number 16. We started there last week, and we began to learn some things that Sarai, Abraham's wife, or Abram now, his name has not been changed yet, um, they had no children. He's 85, she's 84, things is not looking good in their parental life. And so, you know what we talked about last week, and how that she gets, uh, Sarah gets so concerned about this that she decided that 
her handmaiden, the one that was close to her. We would, in most cases, they would become their most trusted, their most loyal servant. They would be behind them in everything. They would be with them in everything. They would be for them in everything. They would not hurt them for anything. And so she decided that she would be the one that would have the child since God had told Abraham he would have a child, but he didn't mention anything about the wife. The problem with that is, is Sarai knew that God does not teach divorce. God does not teach putting your wife away unless there is a, a, a biblical reason for it. And she should have been made well aware that the God who was going to uh, give us the promise of the messianic seed would not have left her out. But you know she rushed, she rushed and got ahead of God. And when you do that, you're in trouble, remember? When you get the reading just a little bit further in the Bible, when you get to the book of Romans, there's two different places that even tells us that Sarai and Abraham were both saved on the promise that God was going to send his son. And yet here they are 14 years before he does it, 14 years before he does it, and they don't believe he's going to do it. And the Bible is very clear that they believed God. In other words, they believed God about his promise. And it was counted to them for righteousness. That's how I got saved. That's how you got saved. Because I believe what God told Abraham, he brought to pass. And when he brought it to pass, he brought it to me. And when he brought it to me, and I finally said yes, it happened in me, amen? That's what he's talking about here. So that's why I want you to see how important this is. So uh, when we don't wait on God, first thing we do is we try to do it ourselves, right? We just try to do it ourselves. And so here you, you see where they start out faulting the Lord, and then they, they, they decided they'd use an Egyptian solution, which one of the dumbest things they could have done because Egypt was a type of the world. And so they, they move on, and then they start to fault the Lord. It's the Lord's, the Lord's fault. He hath restrained me. Now, he could have given me a baby if he wanted to, but he wouldn't let me have a baby. It's God's fault. How many of you ever, you may not have had the courage to say it out loud, but you've said it under your breath. It's God's fault. It's God's fault. God, what's wrong with you? Why don't you do what, what you say you'll do? Why don't you do for me what you do for others? How many of you ever said that in your life? Oh, you bunch of, uh, you, you, come on, listen, be honest. You ain't that spiritual. I know most of you. You know there's been times you may not said it with your mouth, but in your heart. You thought, God, why don't you do what we've been trusting you to do? So they fought the Lord here. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. So remember that when you start to fault the Lord, when you have marriage problem, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the Lord. Lord, 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 if, if he'd have done that, Lord, if, if she'd have done that, Lord, Lord, if if any of this had happened, it must be your fault. You're the one that created marriage. So really, it's your fault when it just boils down to it. 
So we fault the Lord in our marriages and our finances. We do something really dumb financially, we blame God. We do something dumb socially, get our head all messed up, we blame God. And so, folks, I want you to know that the, that the Bible doesn't tell us to try Jesus. The Bible says trust Jesus. So they, they say, okay, we'll just find us a loophole. And so they find them a loophole. Who was the, who, who found the first loophole? You remember in the garden? Yeah, they, they, there was a loophole found. He didn't say that, uh, he didn't say that he, he would die. Uh, don't, don't worry about that. Just, just go ahead and do it. it won't, it'll be okay. He won't hurt you. And so they found them a loophole, they thought, and backed God in the corner. Folks, you don't back God in the corner. And so we all look for loopholes sometimes. Some people, they'll change churches. Things not going like they like it. They'll just change church. And then they'll say, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I'm so tired of hearing people praying about it. I'm just about sick of it. I just wish they'd obey God and quit praying about it. You don't have to pray about obeying God. You don't have to pray about being loyal. You don't have to pray about being faithful. You don't have to pray about being honest. And so here, if not careful, we start looking for loopholes so that we can find a way out of the situation that we have created many times of our own doing. So, um, and by the way, you could, you say, well, brother, can I leave here anytime I want to? You can do that. I won't even try to stop you. You can do that. But let me tell you what you do when you leave here. You take your mess with you. And you go to somewhere else, take that junk with you and hurt them just like you're hurting where you are. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, running from things don't fix it. I found that out as a teenager. What about it? Running from stuff just don't fix it. Faith is the only thing that will give you peace in your life, not looking for some kind of loophole. So they learned this. So in verse number three, here's where I want to really kind of get going tonight. In verse number three, I, I made it, uh, just some allusion to this last week. Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, and the Egyptian after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. Been there 10 years. Nothing's happening. And gave her to her husband. By the right, she, she didn't have the right to do that. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. She didn't have the right to give Abraham to anybody because God had given him to her. I ain't getting no amen in it all. Now, Brother Paige, help me out. Crank it up here after a while, all right? Do y'all get this? Are y'all seeing this? She gave her, she gave Hagar her most trusted, most loved, most loyal. She gave Hagar her handmaiden unto Abraham to, look, look, to be his, say it again, Why? Now, that wasn't what they was going for. What they was going for was a child. 
But their sin produced another marriage that they didn't even know about. But God did. When she gave Abraham to Hagar and they were united together fleshly and bodily in a relationship that would produce a child, he now had another wife. From a physical standpoint, that's what God says. God says that's exactly what we do. You see, we need to be real careful about... Have you noticed that God did not say that uh, you can get a divorce except for if you married a mass murderer? Say that. Uh, 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 They they said, well, God, uh, the Bible, uh, Moses allowed divorce. What about that? He said, that was because of the hardness of your heart. He didn't say you have a right to get a divorce because your husband just robbed a bank, raped a child. No. He said, there's only one reason. He said that I give that you have Divorce, later on, he gives desertion as one. And, of course, death is always a reason for remarriage. I think any time God gives a reason for divorce, he gives a reason for remarriage. So he said, except for the reason of adultery. Why did he say that? Because it was a different kind of sin. I'm not, trying, I'm not attacking anybody. All of us are scared to say amen because we're going to say, you'll know. <laughs> I can't say it. You'll know. Listen, listen, this probably applies to everybody in here tonight, all right? I'm probably talking to everybody in here. If I'm not talking to you now, I will be talking to you later. Y'all with me? So he said that one particular one was the one that he allowed for divorce because It was a different kind of sin. And if that person, if it was a husband or if it was a wife, committed adultery, you had a right for divorce because that sin was different than other sins and you now had somebody else involved in your marriage. Have you ever heard a preacher preach yet? You say, well, I don't know, Brother Lynn, where I believe all that stuff. And I knew you was going to say that. So I'm going to fix that. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, by the way, if I don't get to it tonight, I'm going to give you some solutions for it. So don't go out of here with no hope if I don't get there tonight. Okay, I don't want you to go out of here hopeless because there is some hope. I'm going to help you with that, but it may, I may not get there tonight. So don't quit. So I just got to get back here next Wednesday night and find out what it is. And don't live in misery till then, all right? Now look, look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16. Well, let's look at verse 15. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Your what? Bodies. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? I said, you're going to blame me for that. God God said, how can you blame God 
for causing adultery where it's premarital, extramarital sex, doesn't matter. Look what he says. God forbid. God would never do that. Look, what? Know you not that that which is joined to a harlot, and by the way, a harlot was any person who had sexual relationship outside of one man. That was called a harlot because it was forbidden among God's people. Now, it wasn't forbidden among the pagans. That, that was part of their worship. But God's people was different. Look, he goes on. He says, when you join it to a harlot, you join it to one body. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So look what he says you better do. And here's the first thing you need to remember tonight. If you're having trouble with the temptation... If you're having trouble with the temptation of sexual immorality in any form of fashion, run! He said, flee fornication. Flee it. Young adult that's not married yet, flee it. You said, well, preacher, she's all over me. Knock her off and run. Flee fornication. That's what it says. Am I telling you the truth? I'm telling you the truth. I, wouldn't, I would not mess with you on something this serious. This is a very, very serious subject. So that means that in a physical sense, not in a spiritual one, when you get saved in a spiritual one, God makes you one totally. Every sin is forgiven, even the sin of immorality. He washes that white as, white as snow. He clears that up. But physically, it doesn't end. Physically, it keeps on hurting. This is going to be the name of my book, You're Cheating Hurt. <laughs> well, I know it's been a long time, but there was a song out there that resembled that, Okay. You're cheating her. And the truth about it is, folks, when someone gets hurt through fornication or adultery, it's not something that just hurts them a little while, hurts them forever. Keeps hurting the marriage, keeps hurting the individual, keeps hurting maybe the children, keeps hurting maybe the family, keeps hurting society. It just keeps on hurting. And so... Sarah lost a piece of her husband when she gave Hagar to him to marry. Now, when you look at one of the, one of the most glorious stories in the Bible, in, in the book of Hosea, I, you may not have time to get there tonight, but try to get the old Hosea right quick. It is a little hard book to find the Old Testament but, 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 but get to Hosea if you can, and, and I can't go through the whole story, but it's about a guy who's not married. He's a prophet. He's a preacher. He's not been married, don't intend to get married, best I can tell. He's got enough sense not to do it. He decided not to marry. But God come down, and he lived in a place to where prostitution was the normal lifestyle. And so God said, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Now, if that had been me, I'd said, God, I guess I heard you wrong on that one. Let's check that out again. He said, I want you to go marry a prostitute. 
And I'm sure Hosea didn't, that, that was nerve-wracking to him. He may have never had a date. He, he, he may have never kissed a girl. He, he may have never saw an ankle back in those days. He might not even saw the end of her toe. Who knows? And here he's got to go marry a prostitute. You know what he does? He does it. And the reason he does it in Hosea chapter 1 is God said, I'm going to split the kingdom and I'm going to use this marriage to show something. That's why I'm telling you folks, fornication and adultery will split something up. And you can find that in Hosea 1 verses 6 and 7. It'll tear something up. Now, I want to show you something else. Hosea chapter 2, verse number 7. Look, look, look what it says. And she shall follow after her lovers. You see, lovers and someone who loves you is two different things. Do You do know that, right? Just because you've got a lover doesn't mean you've got someone who loves you. You see, I found out lovers know how to talk to talk. They, they know how to speak the speak. They, 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 they know how to say the right things. You, ooh, ooh, you look so much better than my husband. Ooh, you're so, oh, you're so much better than my wife. And they know the words. Am I telling you the truth? She shall follow after her lovers. Why? Because they said the right words. And she shall not overtake them. You never do. Because they don't want you. They just want your body. They don't want you. And you shall seek them, but shall not find them. And then shall she say, now listen, look at this. Who did he marry? Was it not a prostitute? All right, look what it says. I will go and return to my first husband. That meant in God's eyes, all the rest of those men she had known were called husbands. First husband. Go to my first husband. I think that's, I thought, I thought that was interesting that God would put it that way. He, he does, he, he, he he put, doesn't put anything about their romance in here. He, he puts something in there about her lovers, but he puts nothing in there about their love. He just said, I will go back to my first husband. You know why? Because it was better with him than it was the lover because there comes a time that the loving wears off, but true love lasts forever. Now, I'm not done out of Hosea. You done, you done, turn, you done turned your page at me, all right? Look at Hosea 2, verse 13. Hosea 2, verse 13. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forget me, saith the Lord. You see, that's, this is what happened. When you start hearing those words, when you start seeing those actions, when they start making the right moves and saying the right thing and doing the right thing, you quit hearing God. In fact, you don't even want to hear God. In fact, God's not even in the picture. All you hear is the lover. Now, 
Look at Hosea chapter 2, verse 19. He goes on. I could tell you more, but I want you to look what he says now. And, and, and he says, I will betroth thee unto me forever. Betrothal means that that was kind of like our engagement, except it was permanent. You couldn't just get engaged and quit. You couldn't buy a $4,000 ring and get it back. Y'all got that? Some of you have already found it out, but you understand. He says, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and judgment. Now, Hosea is a representation. He's showing what God looks like, how God's going to help her. And he said, I'll betroth thee to me in loving kindness and mercy. I'll betroth thee to me in faithfulness that thou shalt know the Lord. He said, I'm going to treat you in a way that you don't deserve to be treated. But I'm going to treat you that way because I love you. Not because I'm your lover, but because I love you. Now, he doesn't actually stop there, but I'm going to, while we're here, let's just do it because I may not get back. Look at chapter 3. This woman gets all used up. Nobody wants her. You see, there comes a time in your life, sweetheart. I know you don't believe this. I know you can get some Botox. You can, you can stretch that sagging skin that you could make a lampshade out of, and you can stretch it all over the place. You can, uh, you, you can do all that kind of stuff. I know that. I know you can make yourself look just, and you ought to. You ought to want to look as good as you can. I, I, I don't fault anybody for trying to look good. In fact, there's some folks I'd like to encourage to do so. But, you know, just... <laughs> The truth of the matter is, let's just be honest. Come on, help me out here. Let's just be honest. There's going to come a day, even though Bridget looks like she's 14. Right, Dennis? You better say yes. (laughs) She looks like she's 14. There's going to come a day he's going to look at her and say, good night, that ain't the woman she used to be, you know. Because she's going to get a little wrinkle here and a little wrinkle there. And not just Bridget, the rest of you too. Don't keep looking at her. All of us. And you men, you big hot shots, you think you're really something. For long, your muscles is down here instead of up here. You start to change, don't you? And when you do, let me tell you what. You're not nearly as interesting to the lovers as you are. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, they're not nearly as interesting in you as it was. Am I telling you the truth? You see, they're interested in somebody else's wife now. They're interested in some other young lady maybe who hasn't, uh, who has not much experience now. They're, they're interested in somebody else now because they see they still know the words. Or she's interested in somebody. Maybe she's held herself together real well and she's well-preserved and she's looking for somebody that will, that will be her lover because she still knows the words. But Hosea says in Hosea chapter number 3, God said to her, these are hard words for this man to take. Lord, And the Lord said to me, go yet love a woman. 
beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord. So what does he do? He doesn't run up and embrace her. He doesn't run down to a jewelry store and buy her expensive bracelets. He doesn't go get a new set of rings. She's used up now. But look, I said to her in verse 3, Thou shalt abide for me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, and I will also be for thee. In other words, he's saying, woman, you've already seen what you got into. You're seeing what this country's getting into, and God is showing this country through this messed up mess of a marriage of ours, his loving kindness and mercy. And he's showing what he could do to us if we'd trust him. He went and got a used up harlot, not just to keep, but to love. Amen. Hard to swallow, isn't it? So don't be looking for some loopholes. There's not many out there. This move to Sarai. We got about 15 minutes, about 12 minutes, and I'll stop. This move seemed to be right at the moment. Abraham agreed, and it proved to be successful. Because, as you know, as a result of it, there was a child that was conceived. Just because something seems to be successful does not mean that God approves of it. There's a whole lot of churches that seem to be successful that the blood of Jesus hadn't ever been mentioned in. There's some churches scattered around this country, we would call them cults, that don't even believe Jesus was God. But they look successful. Just because something looks successful does does not mean God approves And so in this particular thing here, God doesn't sweep it under the rug. God goes on and deals with this thing like it's supposed to be dealt with. And so let's make a few more points here, and then I'll just quit and let you go to the house and have a fight or or whatever y'all want to do. Hit me, chase me to the back. I can't run very fast, so you can pile on, tackle me, whatever you need to do. Beat me to death. But... Let me, just, let me just tell you what this will do to a person. What Abraham did was carnal, not spiritual. I'm going to teach you next week how to be able to get some victory over some of these things. I don't even really know all the answers to it, but... I, I have searched the scripture so I can try to give people the answers to it. And um, I think we understand, first of all, 
that when you go through that experience, you feel foolish, humiliated. Uh, you understand? While it's going on, your mate is being shared. And that brings you anger. You may not be able to do anything about it. And what you do do about it might be even a worse thing than what's going on right now. And, and you're, you're angry. You could go kill somebody and spend the rest of life in jail. What about the children? So you're angry. You're humiliated. You know that those people don't love her. Don't love him. You know she don't love him. So number three, it can't be fixed. You know that. From that day forward, it will never be exactly what it could be. It can be better. It can be good. But it cannot be exactly what it could be because we had to tear apart a little piece. It'll be a scar. My granddaughter Sophie is, as you know, enjoys eating. She's a little heavier and not quite as agile as, as uh, uh, some young girls, but she's loving and caring, and, and uh, she's as sweet as she can be. But... My daughter and son-in-law bought my grandchildren two years back a trampoline against every fiber of my anger in my body. They did it anyway. I said, you better not ever let anybody in that trampoline with my little granddaughter except her by herself because she can't, she's not agile enough. And you know what they did? No, they had three boys. Bryce being one of them, the sweet little deer that he is. <laughs> Two more, and they were jumping up and down. It was zipped up. It was all the way around. There was one little square that didn't go all the way to the bottom of the zip, and she fell through that square and broke her arm. But she didn't just break her arm. She mutilated her arm. They had looked like what used to be called crocheting needles run from here to here and here to there. And now there's scars here and scars there and scars here and scars there. And then right here where they had to do surgery, there's a scar about that long. And it sticks up. And every time I look at it, it makes me mad. That's how you feel, except a thousand times more when you know your mate has torn your heart out. And so remember, while those things are happening, you hurt. And if you say, quit hurting me, they can't. Only you can find a way to do that. 
And I'll show you that probably next week. But it also leaves some question marks when children begin to come along. Whose child is this? Romances, creeps, and the scums, and the scumettes, and the creepettes. They don't care. But somebody does. Say, whose children? Who will get the custody? If it comes to a a separation or divorce, who gets custody? How do we deal with this thing? There's going to be some complications here. And it all come because of an act that God said was different than any other. Please don't do it. Flee from it. I hope I'm making sense. Jesus only dwelt on one thing on this matter between husband and wife. And I want you to remember this. He said that Moses only allowed you to have a Divorce because of the hardness of your heart, Matthew 19. What that means? That means that one or both got so hard and angry at the other that there was no fixing. My wife has a a heart that they've always told her it was too thick. I always thought there was more to it than that, but that's what they said. They said, probably your children will have it and and, and you need to get them tested. I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to live in fear. I'm not going to have my children run up and down a basketball floor or going to work or, or going home to a family and have to worry about whether they might live or die today. We're not going to worry with that. We never checked it. We never tested it. Still don't know today. As they get older, they may want to do so because they know about it. But she went back the other day, and now that thick, that, that thick heart has now gotten thicker. And so I told her I knew it all along because that's a hard heart. And I can't tell you what she told me when I said that. <laughs> but, but, but I'm trying to make a point here. I'm not putting her down. I'm trying to make a point. The point is this, is that if a heart that has a problem is not tended to, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. It doesn't get softer, it gets harder. It doesn't get easier to deal with, it gets worse. And the longer it goes, the worse it gets until finally, sometimes it's almost totally irreparable. So I said all that tonight just simply because I had want you to understand that because of one sin, one sin. Now, it didn't stop there. It continued because now he's got two wives. 
And I'm going to show that always. Can you imagine putting two women in the same tent? Buddy, I wouldn't want to be in the next door tent, would you? That's been a bad deal. <laughs> but it just keeps on going. It keeps on going, and it produces, you know, later we'll talk about next week, it produces a young man by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael is the father of all the Arabs in the world. And so today, 5,000 years later, we still got a problem because of a sexual sin. He could have went in and killed Hagar. Wouldn't have lasted like this. He could have stole everything Hagar had. Wouldn't have lasted like this. But when he went in and had a physical relationship with Hagar, everything changed. 